Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. This is a podcast run by a team of people from different churches, all aiming to make gospel resources that are both accessible and applicable for everyday life. We do hope you stick around and subscribe to this channel as we're going to cover a range of topics in the coming months. And so we hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for joining us for another installment of the Isaiah series via the Deeper Pod. I'm sat here with Steve Brent again. Hi, Reese. How's it going? Yes, very good, very good. Good. Uh, and I'm obviously Reese Thomas. Um, this episode is in conjunction with the Rise of Babylon episode, which is number 16. That's right, yeah. It sounds a bit like an episode from Star Wars, doesn't it? I don't know. It, yeah, Rise true. of Babylon. Yeah, we've got Fall of Assyria, Rise of Babylon. It's like the next film along yeah, in a long series of films. Or maybe Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so we've got the Rise of Babylon, which is another piece of narrative from the second book now. So we're in the second book of Isaiah. It's actually the opener of the second book of Isaiah. And Isaiah does this clever thing of basically closing book one with narrative and opening book two with narrative, but centering then around a different nation, a different uh, superpower that's coming against the people of Israel. So we've been thinking about Assyria for quite a long time. Mm. And now the pendulum turns and and our vision starts to look towards Babylon. Mm. Random thought. I, I always actually find it mad every time we've been speaking about so like I know Assyria falls and I know Babylon is like this kingdom that's like mentioned like big time the mad one though we have a place called Syria still in existence but we don't have a place called Babylon no but we do have a place in Iraq which is near to Babylon it encompasses the same area so Iraq, Iran that yeah, same okay. area is, is where the nation and in fact then the empire of Babylon came around so all those places are still there Okay, fair. Interesting. Because I was just like, wait, like Assyria is gone, but like Syria is like one of the kind of Bible names that's still around. Yep, absolutely. Like yeah. the same as Egypt. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Um, so do you want to like give us what you think the main thought for this uh, podcast will be? Because the way we're kind of approaching these like more narrative themed podcasts as opposed to the ones we've had before is we're looking at like a main theme that comes from it. We're not looking to run straight through the narrative again straight through the story because that comes in the talk itself but we want to home in on the theme and then bring out the application so do you just want to say that yeah listen into the uh, talk folks because uh, it, it is really good fun to follow through that story but effectively what we see with hezekiah is that he becomes ill he miraculously recovers after praying to the lord and that should have led on to a really great end to his life but in fact what happens is this sort of creeping decline and it's not a big moment where all of a sudden he loses it before God, but it's just a, a settling down, uh, gently taking his foot off the pedal mm. and falling gently away from the humility that he first had. And I think that's a real interesting place for us to, to think around because that is much more of a danger for me, I would say, than the, the um, sudden fall. You see, mm. you hear about pastors and Christian leaders and so on who have an affair or mm. uh, they, they, they succumb to some kind of massive sin, maybe some financial sin or whatever. Uh, and, and it's big news. But you don't hear about the ones who just gently mm. slip away, lose their excitement, lose their fire mm. for God 
And that's really the story of where Hezekiah is. Those who gently fall asleep at the wheel. You got it. Um, yeah, interesting, because the one of the things you draw out, so we're in, if someone wants to read it, then we're looking at Isaiah 38 and 39. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to go read those stories, you can. You can pause it, go read the stories, and then come back in uh, and catch up with the rest of the podcast. So um, the interesting thing about the kind of Hezekiah story is that, like, there's a moment where he weeps before God. But So short flyover then, he gets told, age 39, that his days are coming to an end. Um, cries out for more years. Which is young, right? Yes. I'm 47. Okay, I can tell you that 39 feels young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's before the 40th birthday mark. It, it is. And actually, what I've discovered in life is that in your 40s, so in your 30s, you probably, at the height of your physical powers, you can do mm. the most. You can actually churn out. In terms of work, I could churn out the most work mm. in my 30s. And that's beyond me, that's gone. Mm. But in your 40s, you can make the biggest impact mm. because you can combine enough energy with enough wisdom to make a massive impact. And I think mm. Hezekiah is looking forward to that, going, this is great, we faced down Assyria, mm. and that's done. Mm. And now I've got this great chance to really live it out and, and to make the most of leading the people mm. into my 40s when I can have a massive impact. And God basically says, you're not going to have that because uh, this disease is coming and you're going. Mm. Which, like, natural instinct, oh no, disease, like... My, my days may be coming to an end. We'd still see 39 as like a premature ending. Yeah. Um, and so instinctively now, I'm like application-wise, right, at 39, he's told he's going to die. He's getting his disease. His response, he weeps bitterly before the Lord. Isaiah's obviously there yeah. and has told him what's going to be the case. Hezekiah pleads for more years, which... I would say it's something we'd probably all do for a 39-year-old in church. Quite right. Who's told they've got terminal illness. Yeah. And we'd be in that weeping space saying, God, please, like, turn back like that and bring healing. Um, Hezekiah, obviously, there's the slow demise. So, theoretically, could call out for healing and still be passionately for the Lord for the rest of his days. Of course. But... One of the things you pinpoint in this is that he caught the faith, but not the eternal view of the kingdom of God. That's precisely where it is. So in the whole episode with Assyria, we see in Hezekiah a man who is full of faith. Mm. He's got no choice. You know, He's got an army coming against him, which is hundreds of thousands of soldiers, and they've mm. defeated everyone else before. And there they are, Camp John Jerusalem. What mm. are Jerusalem going to do? What's Judah going to do? They haven't got a hope. And so Hezekiah just lays it out before God and he says, look what they're saying about you. They're saying, God, you're not strong enough, that you can't protect us, you can't do this. Rise up and protect your holy name. And God does it. Yeah. And Hezekiah can't say, well, it was because we had a great military strategy, because they didn't. Mm -hmm. He was clever enough, canny enough to build a, a reservoir so they had water so that they didn't all die from the siege. Mm -hmm. So that, that's good. You know, the guy is, is practical, he's intelligent. Yeah, yeah. But he recognises there is no chance you can stand up to Assyria mm -hmm. unless the Lord does something dramatic and miraculous. And that's exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. So his faith is what drives him through there. But unfortunately, when he gets these extra years to his life, that life of faith just gently ebbs away as... Mm -hmm the humility he had before God to say, God, we are nothing, mm. is replaced by, a, I guess, a bit of a, a, a gentle self-satisfaction. We don't want to go too hard on Hezekiah here because he's a good guy. He's presented as a good guy. Yeah. But we can see that he sort of gently starts to settle back 
and comes to the conclusion that actually it's all right and life is okay. And as we look around, oh, we've done all right for ourselves here, haven't we? And then he lets the Babylonians come and mm. see all the things that, look what we've done, this is great, isn't it? Do you, do you see our temple? See all the gold here? Mm. See all the stuff we've got? Mm. Thank you, say the Babylonians. That's lovely. We'll hide that away in our, mm. uh, in our notebooks. And three, four generations down the line, they come back and they take it all. Mm. And it's that gentle move towards pride mm. that is ultimately Hezekiah's demise. Mm. Yeah, it's so fascinating, especially because... He's in that like friendship space with God. Yeah. At thirty nine and before, like he knows the Lord. Yeah. And so it's one of the things I actually think is, say, I mean, say now, right? If you're picking a spouse, you're not picking what you predict they're going to be like in twenty years. And just because they seemingly love Jesus today, yeah, doesn't mean without any work they're going to love Jesus in twenty years' time. And so if you just go out and say, oh, who's the most fired up person of this generation today and just pick them. But then actually you don't walk in relationship with God for that like time period. Then actually it doesn't matter because like there can be a slow dripping away. And I think that's a casual warning, well, not casual warning, but it's a warning really. And like a caution that like, no, just, just because in this space God turned up. Just because in this space, God turned back the tide of, of disease and whatever, doesn't just mean, okay, cool, man, he must love me so much that I can just go back to him, whatever. Like, no, like, if you're given that, if you if the healing comes, yes. if the blessing comes, if the provision comes, then turn back to him every time. Yeah, that is exactly where this is. It's a, it's a sad thing as we look at it from Hezekiah's perspective. I always wonder what God would have thought as when Hezekiah finally did um, die and, and, and went to heaven and I'm convinced he did go to heaven yeah, yeah. Um, what would God have said as he came through the door yeah yes yeah, silly sausage <laughs> come on now. you could have been here 15 years earlier and it would have gone better you know yeah, yeah, yeah never mind come on up it's, yeah. it's all done now yeah there's a a funny one of the funniest quotes I've heard was um, it's a good quote actually it's a so Christine Kane she goes when I get to heaven I, I want to hear well done my good and faithful servant not well you're done. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I think that's class. That's it. I don't just limp in. He goes, well, you're done, I guess. <laughs> like, no, I want a well done, my good and faithful servant. You did all that I called for you. Yeah. Um, and that like that eternal view then, I mean, we've just obviously finished the series in Joel, um, which calls for people to be longing for the day of the Lord, uh, longing for the return of the Lord, uh, and to be ministers who... Uh, receive the outpouring of the Spirit and, and minister to the world based on that with a longing for the Lord uh, to return. Um, I think, man, it can be so easy to not have any conscious thoughts. If our days are pretty good, which in the Western world, they're pretty good. Yeah. We don't have it bad, really. Um, as Christians, we don't have it bad, but most people don't have it that bad. Um, you can go about your day. There's nice parks. There's nice coffee shops. Um, there's nice baguette shops. There's nice restaurants. There's good entertainment there's enough gigs on you can go about your days without conscious thoughts of the lord and still enjoy kind of these random grace moments of community of life of uh, pleasure of entertainment and without those conscious thoughts of um yeah of who god is i just think man like it can those things in themselves aren't bad things like we saw blessing for like the people 
but there was a slow creeping thing that was like actually you're going to get taken um i just think i don't want to be for myself but for my generation as well i don't want us just to sleepwalk into demise yes or sleepwalk into destruction because everything was actually pretty good so this is a powerful challenge to me particularly mm. now at uh, and now 20 years on for me mm. to, to continue for god mm. strong every day mm. on fire passionate mm. for him mm. that's the message to me mm. from hezekiah in these chapters mm. no absolutely um can we talk about the space where uh, hezekiah is friends with god um, like instinctually he's honest with God like I think there's something in it so whilst we got the grand theme of kind of this podcast is to continue to walk with the Lord yeah and to not creep away I think that moment in particular like something really special happens uh, where he pleads before the Lord and he's honest before the Lord and there's an emotion involved um, I love from his a prayer. leader yeah so much I love his prayer at that moment it is really heartfelt he says everything he wants to say mm. and really pours his heart out before god but without being disrespectful to who god is mm. i just love it mm. and he recognizes that god is mighty is powerful mm. he's seen him do it before he says mm. can you not do this for me mm. and of course he knows that god can mm. but will will he yeah. and i feel that place as well you know i've had times in my life when i've thought god this is bad what's going on right now is bad and, yeah and, and i'm not sure how we come out of this and Mm. And I know you can sort it out, mm. but but will you? I don't know. I don't know what will happen. That's the life of faith. I think I mentioned in the talk that we were at the point as a family where we were going to lose our house because we couldn't afford to pay a mortgage. There were a whole set of circumstances that led up to it that mm. aren't particularly relevant for this talk. But the, the point yeah. is that we were going to lose our house. Mm. And I knew God owned everything mm. and could literally pour money into my bank account if he wanted to. Mm. But I also knew from experience that, that probably wasn't going to happen mm. so god what are you going to do to rescue us and on the fourth month when the house would have been repossessed it sold mm. and, and that was the most amazing thing you know that god mm. came through for us exactly in the way that it was needed exactly the time that was needed and and those times when, when you pray to god i mean it is it's it's heartfelt what else have you got you you pour it mm. out before him and say lord i, I plead with you Mm. And he came through and he did it. And he did the same for, for Hezekiah. I, I kind of think about God up there as well, um, it, with his heart of compassion mm. over Hezekiah, thinking, I know he's going to make a mess of this, mm. but I just can't help myself. He's my son, he's my boy, and I love him to bits, and I can't see him like this, and I've got to step in in compassion mm. and, and do something about it. Mm. And, and I love God's heart around that. And I think sometimes, even when we ask for the wrong thing, sometimes God graciously says, do you know what? Actually, I'm going to kind of let you have that because I know mm. that it's important to your heart, even though probably it's not the best thing for you. Nevertheless, I've got that compassion for you, that love for you, to, to let you um, maybe have the extra piece of chocolate you shouldn't have, you know, in, yeah. in, in, in metaphorical terms. Yeah, no, that's so great. Um, you're going to have to help me with this story. Is it Rachel or Hannah in biblical story? who yeah, yeah. Uh, can't have the child and so weeps in the temple. Yeah, so it's Hannah. That's Hannah. Right. Yeah. And who's, is it Zechariah? The, who's and the Eli priest? the priest. Eli the priest. Yeah. Um, so here, I, re I was reading an interesting thing. Uh, it was in preparation for the Joel talks actually um, regarding weeping. Um, so Hannah, yeah? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so she's obviously in the temple and it says she's like praying before the Lord and like crying before him, but no words are coming out. And so her lips are moving, yeah. but there's no words coming out. Um, and then Eli comes and he's like, why are you drinking? Like you're drunk. Um, and there's this interesting one of like, man, Eli had like no longer could recognize what like the intimate space with God looked yes. like. That might be kind of reading into it, but it was just an interesting moment that like she was so before God in that moment, but he didn't recognize it. He didn't recognize that personal intimacy that she had in that moment with God. Yeah. Like he saw her and thought she's drunk. Like that's a drunken like lady, but she was privately and personally intimate with God weeping before him and speaking before him. And like, she did, couldn't even say words, but like her heart was ministering to like the Lord. I just think, I want, I would say for like my generation, because I, I kind of feel like I'm not calling the generations before me, but um, I do feel like a responsibility for the people who are around me, like my friendships, my, or the people even younger than me, to say like, don't just come to the word and see a God who's so much bigger than you, that it feels like he's not near you. Mm-hmm. When God literally says, come near, when God literally calls for his people to come near and to be before him and to pray about everything, to not be anxious in anything, but come and pray before him. I'm like, that is personal intimacy with God, where like, that's your private space with him that you're allowed to be as a child in his throne room. Yeah. And I always think of the throne room. I always like think of like, obviously I couldn't go into Buckingham Palace when like all the servants, and I, I guess there's times with God that I may feel just like a servant. I know we're servants of the Lord, but we're sons and daughters yep. first and foremost. Our primary relationship is sons and daughters. Guarantee if the queen sat on a throne, if that's what she does, and the servants are all there, the servant isn't, if you're just a servant in that moment and you're feeling down, you're not going to cry before Her Majesty the Queen and be like, oh, Queen, look, I'm just really struggling with this, that and the other. You're not going to do that if your only space is a servant. Yes. But guarantee if Charles ran in there when he was a kid, it doesn't matter what the servants are doing. It doesn't matter what kind of banquet's happening. If the child comes in crying, he has that right as an heir, as a son to the queen, um, no matter her status. Yeah. And I was just like, yo, like that's got to be the space in my heart. First and foremost, like in this like weeping prayer of Hezekiah, it's like, yes, like, call for everyone to be before the Lord in that emotional space, in that space where you're honest and real about how you're feeling. And don't just come to the Bible and see, whoa, this guy's way bigger than me. I'm not right. I'm bad. I'm whatever. I can't come and be honest with God. I'm just going to walk away. I'm like, that's the most damaging thing ever because Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead things to life. Yes. And so we come with the deadest of situations. He didn't come just to make broken things fixed. He came to make all things new. And so we come to the God who brings dead things to life. We come to the God who makes all things new and plead saying, this is what I've got. I don't understand any of it. I don't understand what I'm dealing with. I don't understand my situations. I know I can't, but I know you can. Even if you don't, I'm still setting my eyes on heaven. I'm still saying my treasure is in heaven. Yeah. But God, won't you come? That was powerful. That was <laughs> so good. Yeah, that, that's the space, isn't it? And I think maybe older Christians sort of give off this impression that 
you have to be in the presence of God for a long time in order for this to happen. It's not really the case. You know, mm. God's ready to listen for the, the one minute or the 30 seconds mm. or whatever it is. But the reality is what it's all about. It's mm. my heart touching his heart. God, I want mm. to tell you what I'm really thinking here. But also maintaining that space of saying, I know you're God. Mm. So I'm not going to be disrespectful coming before you, mm. but I know you're God. But at the same time, I want to tell you how I'm really feeling. Mm. I want to tell you what's on my heart. Lord, mm. can you help? Mm. Amen. Amen. Um, is there anything you'd like to add? I just think that the other thing to come out from this is, of course, if Hezekiah had had that eternal perspective, yeah, then he wouldn't have fallen into pride in the way he did. And I think that on the one hand, I mean, he's a great guy, so mm. we shouldn't put him down too much. But, he, he, but on the one hand, he was really powerful in what he did on earth. But as a result, he lost sight of the fact that there was an eternal reality. God was doing something greater. Mm. This thing that was going on on this earth was just a picture of something much, much greater that was coming. And Isaiah sees that really clearly. And that's why Isaiah was presenting in his book. We know that God can come and rescue us in our earthly situations right now. But his master plan is to bring about an eternal kingdom. Mm. And it's God's people living here on earth. Okay, so whether it's up, whether it's down, uh, whatever it's like, whether God rescues physically or not, what we do know 100% is that he saves for eternity. Mm. And that we are safe within our souls as we rest within him. And his desire is for that future day when all things will be made new and for us to enjoy that with him. And that's where we're going. We keep that perspective in mind. We will not fail in his word and in his things. Mm. Amen. Amen. I've got nothing to add. So I'm more than happy to leave it there. Actually, with this one thought, I guess the thing I've been thinking is ultimately like Hezekiah went from a place where he was on a battlefield and then came into the trenches and like in the trenches is where like that like space of like oh like I'm stuck like I need help and I always think like we're called to be on the battlefield yeah. we're not called in the Christian life just to stay in the trenches like the trenches provide safety and provides a place where like you're together but actually like we're called to move forward and so the kingdom of God is called to always move forward and so we're always nudging Christians to leave the trenches collectively and go forward yeah. and strive in communities, strive in localities, strive in business, strive in all of those places outside of the trenches on the battlefield, in the battle, for the battles of the Lord's. And it's already won. Um, and I just wonder, man, if you like kind of thought, oh, I feel battle hardened. Like I feel battle hardened. Like, yeah, I love this battlefield, but you know what, I'm just going to like slowly creep down a little rest. and just lie yeah. down. And then that's, you don't want to lie down on a battlefield. That's um, it. But yeah, no, that was, that was just kind of my final thought. So I've just been thinking recently, I'm like, yeah, how do you stir hearts so that like people are still motivated uh, because they see what the Lord has done, because they're in friendship with the Lord to go and push back darkness in our day. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is advancing forcefully. Mm. and forceful people take hold of it and you might think that doesn't sound very Christian but what he means is I want your ambition mm. I want your heart I want your drive I want your everything mm. and, and when we go after this powerfully together the kingdom of heaven advances mm. that's the message Amen Great right thank you very much for listening again you will join us next week I hope uh, for the next installment which is hope for heavy hearts yes it is if that sounds good then please do join us and we'll see you there thank you very much from me and from me